Adjust your earbuds for this one because we're going to go back in time to one of the greatest college football teams in history, the 1899 Sewanee Tigers. David Neal Drew's author of Iron Tigers, a novel inspired by the team that conquered Dixie and launched Southern football, is up next to talk about this legendary football team with their amazing six-day football journey, which is unprecedented in football history. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition where we get to talk about some great gridiron history from yesteryear. We're going to go back uh, some 125 years almost and go to a team that has, has a very interesting history with an author that's wrote a book about them. His name is David Neil Drews, and he has wrote the book Iron Tigers. Uh, David Neil Drews, welcome to the Pigpen. Thank you, Darren. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I love this podcast. Well, David, we we thank you for that, and uh, we we love your book, and uh, it's got such an interesting topic, and we'll get into that in in just a little bit here. But uh, you know, first we want to learn a little bit about you. We we love to when our guests come on for the first time, especially like you are today. Uh, we want to make sure we we know a little bit about you, so we can be familiar. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your your football fandom uh, that took you to the point of writing a book about and came from yesteryear. <laughs> well, my football fandom began in 1970 when my father took me to my first college football game. It was here in Knoxville, where I live, at the University of Tennessee. UT was playing UCLA, and I was seven years old, and I was hooked. And um, that's the year I started playing football, and uh, I've been a, a, a big UT Vols fan ever since. Uh, go to the games. Um, what brought me to... Um, I, I used to teach high school English and um, and then I decided to give it a I, I thought I could teach high school English and be a writer, but I couldn't pull both off. So so I left I left uh, teaching and, and devoted full time to writing. But what what brought me to um, this 1899 Swanee team uh, was my passion for originally for my passion for sports in terms of sports history, specifically how a sport began began and how a sport evolved and um you know breaking it down to you know who were the founders who were the first stars what were the uniforms what were the rules how did all of that change over time i'm just fascinated by that whether it's football or any other sport golf um i'm you know fans fascinated by the early years of, of baseball basketball but even minor sports um so i i picked up a book um, in my quest for more and more knowledge about the beginning, beginnings of, of, of sports, I picked up this book. I bet, I'm, I bet anything you're familiar with, it's called the opening kickoff, the tumultuous birth of a football nation written by, you know, it, yeah, <laughs> it, I do. It, yeah. So for your listeners, uh, it's written by, uh, Dave Revson and, um, this, 
I've read this book twice, and it is about the first 30 years. Uh, it, it goes from the Princeton-Rutgers game up till the forward pass in, in 1906, just before that. And um, so that that um, really made me thirsty for more early football knowledge. Uh, so it led me to the Swanee, 1899 Swanee Tigers, um, who in the midst of a 12-game season – got on a train and rode 2,500 miles and shut out five teams in six days uh, in the midst of a nine game, or I'm sorry, a nine day trip. They, they shut out five teams in six days. Uh, they played five teams in six days and shut them all out. So I knew some people in, being from East Tennessee, Swanee's in middle Tennessee, up, uh, up in the Cumberland mountains. I knew a few people who had gone to Swanee. Um, I knew a little bit about the school's history. I knew it was a special place, um, but I didn't know anything about this team. Um, and then I started digging into it, and it's like it's amazing how what a low percentage of Southern football fans actually know about this team. Um, and the, my subtitle, so the name of, of my historical fiction piece that's inspired by these guys, it's the title is Iron Tigers, a novel inspired by the team that conquered Dixie and launched Southern football. And I, th- I think it's a very, very convincing case that this is the team that launched Southern football. I I think you're you're quite right, and uh, you know I'm I'm in football history all the time, and I. Personally, I love the era of the late 1890s and early 1900s football. It just it fascinates me because it's such a, a an era that we don't know much about because there wasn't good sports writing and journalism and people really you know half the people were against football at that time before the forward passes. You know, you see about probably about five years later after after your story's taking place uh, with everything that was going on in the country, and uh, it's just a, a great thing. And now I think we're revealing a lot, peeling a back a lot of layers of the onion uh, in our modern age uh, going back 120 some years ago and, and finding out a lot about these teams. And uh, I, I think it's great. And I, I almost equate them and maybe unfairly, you know, up here in, in Pennsylvania, we have you know Washington and Jefferson and it's mm-hmm. almost, they almost have a, a similar story, a small school that, People, you know, today don't really know anything about or don't relate them to football anyway. Maybe right. education they do, but right. powerhouses they were back in that that era, and uh, it's just fascinating. But uh, yeah, the Sawani, I, I totally agree with you. I think they really put the the South on the map and opened up the doors for the the Alabamas and the LSU's of the world. Uh, you know, before they Absolutely. knew it. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really did. In, in fact, the. Yeah, but you're so right. I mean, the, so many of these schools that were there at the beginning and 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 uh, launching college football, you know, they're Division three now, and unfortunately, not very many people pay attention to them. Um, that's, you know, Swanee's Division three now, um, but yeah, it's it. I think it's an extraordinary part of the story that these small schools, um, they they brought this this sport into into the American landscape. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it certainly is. Yeah, you 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 put together that you know W J Sawani, uh, the Chicago Maroons, you know teams like Lafayette, you know these teams are they're all I think D three now, and yep. uh, or D two anyway, and uh, what powerhouses yep. they were back in their era, and what contributions they brought to the game, and the the legendary player names that came out of them, and fantastic stories like like you're going to share with us tonight. So this is exciting. 
What have, what you mentioned Chicago, the Chicago, Chicago Maroons. I would have loved to have seen uh, like a um, uh, a championship, like uh, you know, a, a, a national championship game between the Swanee team of eighteen ninety nine and the Chicago Maroons of eighteen ninety nine. Uh, they both went undefeated. Um, Chicago uh, Alonzo Stagg's men went sixteen, no losses and one tie. And the Swanee men went 12 and out. Um, it would have been great for them to ma- have a matchup, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's, it's a, it's a really cool part of, of, uh, of football history. Yeah, most, most definitely. Okay. So let's, uh, before we get too far into your book, now you, you gave us the title, let's take this opportunity. Where can folks uh, get a copy of this book? Okay, so you can go on Amazon or Book Baby and just type in Iron Tigers and then my last name Drews, Diaz and David R E W S. You you can also go to irontigersfootball.com and on on that website you can watch a 90 second video uh that's that's like a movie trailer for the book and you can also order the book. Um there are links to Amazon book baby there. Um, eventually I'm going to f- have a way where people can order directly from me so I can send out um, signed copies. Um, that's but that's awesome. not there yet, but it will be. Excellent. Well, folks, uh, if you're driving or you don't have a pen and pencil to, to write this down, uh, we're going to have the, in the show note links, uh, links to David, what he's talking about, to both the Amazon link and to his website, uh, so you can get uh, that information at a later time. We'll also have it on Pigskin Dispatch for this Iron Tigers episode that uh, we're going to be uh, having posted the same day that the episode releases, and you go into our search box under Iron Tigers, you should be able to find it there as well and, and get to David in his book. So what else you uh, tell us? Okay, you told us a little bit about what inspired you to write the book. Um, mm-hmm. You have some some uh, interesting uh, features about it because it is a, a fictional book about a, a real team. So maybe you could lay some of those ground rules down to what, what you got going on. Yeah, it, it, it's really important. So I like to I like to tell people that I basically um, took the bones, meaning the factual record and put the flesh on those bones and the flesh being the imagined elements of the book. Um, so in terms of what the 1899 Swanee team did, who they played, the scores, um, that's all part of the historic record. That, that's that's all there. Um, uh, in addition to that, I took there, for example, some of the players when they were adults would write letters to each other and they would recall certain scenes from that trip. And so I would, so when I went up to Swanee, went into the archives and, and looked at these materials, I would just take something, you know, a sentence or something or a description that a player gave of, you know, so-and-so, like, here's an example. So-and-so when we got to New Orleans was doing too much girling. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when i read that i was like i have to write this book just because of that word but you know so you know it made me think well these are college men in new orleans um you know with a night off and so there's a little that's part that was in the school newspaper um the um the best source for this book was the school's school newspaper because the team's student manager this guy named Luke Lee, 
Alfie Melville in my book, but Luke Lee in real life. Mm-hmm. He, after every game, he's on the trip with them. And after every game, like the first first game was in Austin, they played Texas. And after the game at the Union Station, before they loaded up on the train, he would send in to the Swanee newspaper, he would telegraph them a play-by-play account of the game uh, for each one of these five games uh, on this road trip. And so you talk about a great primary source. I mean, this guy was there, and within hours, he was sending it off to his school newspaper. Um, but so I would take, I would, you know, I would glean things that were were interesting about uh, where they went, what they did. Um, one guy said in a letter to a buddy that was on that team with him that, do you remember that 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 chicken we had in the middle of the night in Texarkana? And it was like, <laughs> so that's in my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the idea of these these kids, you know, they've already been on the train for 13, 14 hours when they get to Texarkana. It's the middle of the night and there's an all night diner. It's 1899 and they're eating fried chicken. It's just, you know, <laughs> that might've been what launched Southern football actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll tell you what, you know, reading the book, I, I, I love details and I love little, you know, sideshows from the main story. And you, you do a lot of that in your, in your writing. I mean, uh, you, you talked about the, the girling. Well, you, your book opens up and there's a little bit of girling going on there. When, you know, one of the, the main players is, uh, you know, he's, he's late for this train that's going to be taking off. I believe that's where he was. He's getting, they were getting ready to, to depart. And uh, he happened to be, you know, probably where you, coach wouldn't want him to be probably his parents didn't want him to be he was he was right. visiting uh a young lady and yep. uh was running a little bit late and everybody oh. knew it and uh <laughs> yeah. and uh you know so that was just a great element of the story and you know you you talk about the the alfie character that uh, you know based on luke lee uh, you know he he you can tell he's a central character to you because everything's coming off him and this this character, the way you've uh, depicted him, is an amazing individual. Um, not only is he balancing all these arrangements for the team on this, you know, long trip and these games and everything, but he's also um, sort of playing a, a little bit of um, uh, a game—not a game, but a, a balancing things out because of uh, two African American uh, gents that are are traveling with the team, uh, as you know, and. You know, going through the South at that era time is not, uh, you know, the most uh, best uh, atmosphere for these folks to go into. But he treats them with such respect throughout and helps them get through some encounters that they may have or some gets through some problems that they weren't. But just fantastic character buildup of him and and all the all the characters you have in there. So it's very enjoyable. And I I love the detail like that. Well, I appreciate that very much. Those are very kind words. And yeah, the, I fall in love with details too when, when I read fiction or or nonfiction. Um, yeah, so you're talking about Alfie Melville, who, uh, like you said, is based on the actual Luke Lead. Um, to tell you a little bit about, and your listeners a little bit about Luke Lead, this guy, um, he, as you can imagine, he, he, I mean, he set this whole trip up. He, he, he orchestrated this whole trip. He had the administration behind him because, um, you know, the South was in the doldrums at the time. You know, they were, um, you know, the Civil War, the, you know, the, uh, they, they, they lost the Civil War. Um, like the North, they lost millions of men. Um, but the South, you know, experienced Reconstruction after the, afterwards. 
the the economy was still in the ruins but in ruins by the time we got to the 1890s and the whole concept of southern manhood was in the dirt and the um so these these kids these kids at Swanee I mean it's a it's an elite school you know today it's a very expensive school to attend and um you know, it was an all male school at the time in 1899 they had about 320 uh students um but they were all from from what very wealthy families and and many of them if not most of them were slave owning families um prior to the uh, of course prior to the civil war and the emancipation act um so luke lee for example um he's from he was from a nashville family that was very prominent uh and had thousands of acres and um had hundreds of slaves um and um so he he comes from this kind of background, but he was so invested in Swanee being at the vanguard, the vanguard of Southern football. Uh, and he had the alumni and he had the administration behind him, like I had said. Um, he he was audacious enough to put this schedule together. I mean, who in their right mind sends a team 2,500 miles and says, you're going to play five back to back, or you're going to play five games in six days. Uh, and they're all bigger schools than Swanee um, in addition to that. But he, um, he was going for broke because he wanted the Northeastern newspapers, you know, as, as you know, Darren, it was all about Yale, Harvard, Penn and, and Princeton back then. And then the Midwest was just getting involved, um, you know, in the what 1880s, I would say. Right. right. Um, but, but the Northeast, especially those four teams were still the dominant teams and the North Northeastern uh, uh, newspapers, they, you know, Southern football, what is that? <laughs> it was an mm-hmm. afterthought and uh, Luke Lee of proud, you know, man, young man of the South, um, he wanted to change that. Um, you know, he had relatives that went to Princeton and later he went to Columbia Law School. So they knew about the Eastern Establishment and they knew that the generation before them was beaten down um, because of, uh, you know, seceding from the Union and fighting the war and then Reconstruction and um, you know, switching from an agrarian uh, slave economy to um you know agrarian economy but really hadn't been transformed into any type of industrial economy and this uh so luke lee was part of the new south it's like okay dad grandpa you know we're taking over and we're gonna we're gonna urbanize we're gonna we're gonna bring glory to the south so he was really determined to make this happen and he knew he had to do something spectacular to to get the northeast to notice to get the other southern colleges to notice that, hey, college football in the South is a real thing. It didn't start in the South till 1890. I, I think Virginia had the first team in 1889, uh, you know, given their proximity to, you know, like Princeton. Um, but it college football didn't start in the South until uh, 1890. And Swanee's first team was 1891. Um, so he wanted the rest of the South to wake up and say, this is uh, this is how Southern male identity will be determined. This is a vehicle for us to uh, have a renaissance in the South. Um, And um, so he sets up this crazy schedule. And what he did by by taking on the roles that he took on, he was he was setting he was laying out the blueprint for southern football and for the as a cultural phenomenon as not just a sport but as a cultural phenomenon and he was also laying out what 
an athletic director could be um, or really what an athletic department could be. But he was the only guy. He was the student manager. So he wore all the hats. And my sense is that nobody else was going to the lengths and covering as many bases as he was. Now, there's a controversy in terms of whether or not they had two African-American rub men, uh, also called you know the trainers and called rub men. I think they were much based on my research. They were much more than rub men, although that was a very important part the service that they provided their players with. Um, but there's controversy whether there were two on that train or one. Um, only one name is mentioned. Uh, and that's uh, that's a gentleman uh, whose name was Cal Burroughs. And Cal was a, a garbage collector by day. And he was an athletic trainer for a Swanee football and baseball team. Um, and um we don't know anything about Cal after 1899. Uh, the, the record just goes blank. Yeah. Um, which is a metaphor, you know, how history has treated so many African-American stories and people in, in the past. Yeah. Very, very true. I mean, you, you, in your character that uh, plays the part of Cal is, is Henry and Henry is probably the more, one of the more lovable uh, characters in the story. This, this man is doing everything. He's, he's, he's sort of the, I mean, if uh, uh, Alfie is the, the organizer and the, the, the point man for everything, well, Henry is there picking up all the pieces and, and juggling and just I mean, so hospitable and nurturing uh, to everything that the, these traveling uh, group is doing the whole way. I mean, putting you know barrels of water from the local spring on the, on the train. So they're, they're drinking because it doesn't want them to have dysentery. I remember that from the book. I mean, just the little details like that, just a magnificent uh, character that you developed there. Yeah, I, I enjoy Henry very much. I'm glad you do. Yeah, he's um, and he's also a way to for me to ultimately. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but Henry, as you know, what he does with his life after 1899, we'll we'll leave that uh, that storyline for the readers to enjoy. Absolutely. But, yeah, but it's an opportunity to give a little bit of um, credit to all the people that were first generation uh, sons and daughters uh, out of slavery who went on and and did really remarkable things. Um, So uh, yeah, uh, Henry will always be near and dear to my heart, Um, especially Henry. They all will, because I was on the train with them for five years Mm -hmm. researching and writing this. But yeah, Henry Henry and Jordan will always be close to my heart, as will Joseph. (laughs) And we'll we'll just throw Joseph's name out there and uh, leave it at that. Okay, that's fair, fair enough. All right, let, let's get into the trip. Okay, we they're playing uh, these these six ball teams, and you know we've talked a little bit about them. Why don't, why don't we identify uh, who they played in that that trip? Okay, so they're on the train for a day and a half. And they they reach Austin the next day. They play the University of Texas. Uh, University of Texas, um, and you know you notice as a lifelong ball, I will not say the U and then followed by the letter that comes after S Um, (laughs) the university of Texas. uh, They weren't the Longhorns yet, by the way, but they play them and uh, they shut them out 12 to zero uh, in front of a big crowd there. You can go online to the, 
to the Swanee archive, the digital archive, you can see this really cool program from the game mm-hmm. um, with, yeah, with, uh, with actual photos of uh, one of the Swanee stars and a photo of, uh, of one of the um, Texas stars. So that, that game's fascinating to me because they're playing a much bigger school. They've been on a train for a day and a half. Um, but also it was the only school that was really recognized by the Northeast. Um, Walter Camp's All-American team, the previous year, 1898, not a single Southern football team is, or I'm sorry, player is named to the team except for Joe Abbott, a large guard that played for the Texas team. He was the only Southerner named to Walter Camp's All-American team for that year. And um, so so I inserted him into the into the book and into the story of that Texas game. So then they get on the train that night. Actually, it was so civilized. You remember that? You, remember, you know that picture, uh, 1869, Princeton and Rutgers, they play. And then there mm-hmm. are tables are laid out with white linen uh, mm-hmm. tablecloths and they sit down and drink and eat together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Great. Incredibly civilized. Well, this is similar, 1899. So Swanee beats Texas 12 to nothing. That night, the German club throws a ball on behalf of the Swanee team. Mm-hmm. And Texas was co-ed at the time. So there were young ladies there. They danced. They probably had some drink. And then they had to leave the ball because they had to get on their train. They had to get on their train. They took it overnight. They they reached Houston. And uh, that same day that they arrived in Houston, they played Texas A&M in Houston and they shut out the Aggies 11 to nothing. Then they got on the train that night and they rode the train to New Orleans (laughs) and they shut out Tulane 23 to nothing. Now, they took the day. This is where I deviate from the historical record just a bit. They took that next day. That was, you know, they had one day off for the six, you know, for the five games in six days. They had one day off. They, they, 1899 team actually took that day after the Tulane game off. That was their day off. In my book, they don't take that day off. Um, and the reader can discover, you know, why I possibly made that change. But so uh, the actual team, yeah, they got on the train from Houston after beating Texas A&M uh, 11 to nothing. And they went and they beat Tulane 23 to nothing. And then they went to Baton Rouge and they beat LSU 34 to nothing. And um, they went to Memphis and they shut out Ole Miss 12 to nothing. So they had, they had um, nothing but shutouts. Um, and played five games in six days. I mean, just the train ride alone, <laughs> let alone getting on the field and playing a, you know, a game that, you know, people often say, well, wasn't the game much more brutal back then? Um, and it was in many ways. Um, it was more like hand-to-hand combat. And, and in various other ways, it was more, you know, no, very few players wore helmets and they were such rudimentary helmets anyway. But, um, you know, of course, today we have, you know, the physics of, you know, incredibly big men moving incredibly fast. And um, so it's brutal in different ways. Um, but um, yeah, so to get out there and, and scrap and, um, and, and play 
that kind of football and riding on a train overnight, it's, it's just extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, how many of us have, have slept, tried to sleep on a train. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, even with the ones that have the bed cars, which I'm sure they had some kind of bed. It's not very pleasant. And you have that clickety clack. And <laughs> I'm sure it was much worse 120 years ago than it is to our modern era, too. With you know, probably no suspension in those trains. And but yeah, you know, I don't know how they endured it. I really, I, don't. I mean, we know they didn't have air conditioning, so it was probably hotter than the Dickens down there too. Yeah. Well, thankfully it was fall, but I'm, but you know, the uh, the first game, the first um, the first game of the trip was I want to say November 9th. Um, but you know, in the South, we can have warm, balmy nights, <laughs> in you know, in November. I mean, it's not unheard of. But um, you know, real quickly, you were talking about. Um, Henry Jordan, who represents Cal Burroughs. Um, this this is in um, a, a recollection of a, of a uh, 1899 Swanee Tiger. He talked about how um, the and this guy actually did say there were two, um, even though we don't have the name of another trainer. He was like the one guy that said there were two. He said one of the reasons why we succeeded is we had a couple of rub men. Um, and he said, you know, he said big black fellows. And he said, they, they would rub our legs until we fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it strikes me as, you know, it's almost like having a Charlie horse that really doesn't go away completely. And this is going on for days. And then in between getting the rub downs, you're going out on a field and colliding with other human beings and dragging them down. And, you know, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, like you said, the, the games were more brutal. It was almost like going into a street fight every game and doing that day after day. That's, that's got to pay a toll on your, your body uh, mentally and physically. And uh, amazing that they could have that endurance to even play those games, let alone be as successful as they were. Yeah. So, yeah. So. It, it's it, it's a, a friend of mine after she read it, she said, this is a story of human endurance. Uh, Absolutely. That's what this is. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think one of the the more amazing things, and uh, you know, I, I know when I first heard the story, I, I heard it uh, years ago, and um, j- just you know, saying okay, they played these six teams, okay, you know, they're they're a small school, they went and they played a bunch of price other six schools I never heard about. When I started hearing the school names that we still recognize today as being, you know, powerhouses in the South, uh, or, you know, or at least they've had, has had some glory at some point uh, in college football. You're sitting there, it's shocking. You know, your jaw falls on the floor, uh, you know, because you know, even, you know, even Tulane and, you know, A&M and, you know, the, the Longhorns and the Ole Miss and you're, you know, you go on and on and you're like, wow, these are, you know, you throw a Bama and a Georgia in there, you got, you got just about <laughs> all the SEC in there, you know? So it's a, it's exactly. just a great, great uh, story that uh, I don't know the, I don't think it can ever be um, touched again with the success that they had. It's uh, really, really remarkable. It is remarkable. And um, you mentioned this SEC uh, Swanee, Swanee continued to be competitive in the South and, really one of the top teams in the South um, into the teens, into the 19 teens. And, um, but then uh, as football became bigger and bigger and the bigger schools started spending money on scholarships and 
and they could just out promote Swanee. I mean, Swanee's still this school, all small, all school or all male school that by the way, they, they, it was very hard for them to have home games because nobody wanted to go to this remote mountaintop to play in front of 250 people or 300 people. Um, Cause there's no gate, you know, you don't make any money doing that. But Swanee, when they got to the twenties uh, during the, the, that decade, they did not beat a single sec team yet in 1932 when the sec was formed right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, Swanee was made part of the original SEC um, and they had not beaten an SEC team in 10 years. So it was completely out of tribute. They were paying homage to this team uh, and, and how they, and that's another argument for the, the idea that Swanee football launched uh, Southern college football. They didn't win a single SEC game for the, and they left the SEC in, in 1940, but just the fact that the SEC, all these big schools that formed in 32, said, "Yeah, we want SEC, we want Swanee in here." Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah. Uh, now, I guess some something that it goes out in, in the narrative of the story, and you you tell me this is if you know how, how true this is, or if you found this in your research. Now, one of the reasons that they took the, such uh, um, exhaustive trip, trip and aggressive trip. Uh, you know, was to try to regain some financial wherewithal from uh, their rivalry with Vanderbilt, who just they decided not to play that year and they lost a lot of gate receipt that year. So they were trying to, uh, you know, Luke Lee was trying to make up a little bit. Is that is that is that got some truth to the story? I, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not the sole reason, but it's one of the reasons. I mean, the the school and Luke Lee knew that they needed they needed money to advance the football program. Also the school needed money because they were also having difficulty getting students to come all the way up on the mountain. Um, but, but the Vanderbilt situation also played into this and, uh, and, um, you know, money's been in football from the very start. Right. Um, so their rival, their primary rival was Vanderbilt, um, who had a, a really good team at that time. Um, uh, ten, uh, Swanee beat them in 98 and this was always played, played in Nashville because they could get a big crowd, which back then was, you know, four or 5,000 people. Um, but they could get a big crowd, bigger town, obviously big town. Um, and so they'd always play, they play on Thanksgiving and, um, Luke Lee, uh, didn't like the structure of the deal, the revenue sharing deal with Vanderbilt. And, he was a student manager in 98, too. And I also read something that indicated that he also thought they might have cheated Swanee. And so in addition to the terms not being that favorable for Swanee, he, there's also the possibility that he believed they were actually cheating his team at the gate, his, his school at the gate. So there are some letters that go back and forth between uh, Luke Lee and the student manager at, at Vanderbilt. Uh, negotiating for the 99 game, for the 1899 game. And um, Luke Lee says, you, you know, you're not being reasonable. Um, if this is if this is the case and these are the terms, uh, we, we, we're not going to play Vanderbilt this year. Well, what he did get in 98 was $750 to play Vanderbilt. And so he, they might have been cheated at the gate, but that was still a big chunk of money. Yeah, that was a big chunk of money back then for Swanee. Um, 
for anybody, um, right. but especially especially the school that was struggling. So he had to come up with a way to make up that deficit, but he wanted to do more than make up that deficit. You know, he really wanted to fill the coffers at, at Swanee. So he came up with this this uh, this this scheme to 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 make money by going all the way out to Austin, Texas, and then play teams on the way back, which was what he did. And he negotiated terms with each of those schools that were acceptable to him and um, were favorable uh, for Swanee. Um, And in 98, they actually went to Texas and played Texas in 98. They didn't play anyone on the way back. So maybe it was on that long, long train ride back to Swanee in 98, where he thought, you know what, (laughs) we could pick up some money playing some teams on the way back, you know, but who knew he would go for five and six days, you know, but he, but again, he wanted something spectacular. He wanted to show the rest of the South, Hey, we're your general line, line up behind us. We're going somewhere. Um, And he wanted to show the Northeast, Hey, you need to start paying attention to us. So he had to do something. He had to get his guys to do something amazing, and they did. Yeah. Well, he definitely definitely did that. Okay, so you said earlier, you know, these six games were part of a twelve-game schedule in eighteen ninety nine. And they, of course, you know, went undefeated. Now, where did this? Was this like at the end of the season? They did this trip. Was it middle of the season? How how was it in relation to the other games? Okay, so they're they're this was their. The Texas game was their fifth game of the season. They had already played four games before they got on the train for this epic trip. Okay. So their season started October 23rd against Georgia in Atlanta, and they shut out the dogs 12 to nothing. Um, Two days later, also in Atlanta, so they stayed, uh, they played Georgia Tech and um, shut Tech out 32 to nothing. Um, and then they played, um, Tennessee, um, and they actually, the, the, the university of Tennessee's, um, football program was so embryonic that they could actually, they actually had to, um, say yes to a small school on the other side of the Cumberland mountains, uh, and come all the way to Swanee to play Swanee. Uh, and then they did. And my poor Vols, were beat 46 to nothing <laughs> up, up uh, late October uh, on so 20. This, this truly was an SEC schedule even back in 1899. Yeah, it was. And, it and was. a little bit of the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it really was. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Texas is moving into the SEC. And um, and uh, Georgia Tech was part of the SEC way back when. Right. Uh, but, but, yeah. But so so that and they and they beat um, Southwestern Presbyterian uh, from Clarksville. They beat them fifty four to nothing, and um, so they had four shutouts going into this trip, um, and then they played the five games on six day in six. I'm sorry, five games in six days. And then, so that was nine. And then after they got back to Swanee, they had two weeks off and they finished their season with um, Cumberland Presbyterian that they shut out 72 to nothing. And um, um, I'm blanking. Oh, Auburn. They played Auburn, who at the time was coached by John Heisman. And um, then they played North Carolina. 
uh, in Atlanta for what turned out to be the Southern uh, Conference. It was called Southern Conference then, uh, Southern Conference Championship uh, against North Carolina, December 5th. Wow. So, so 12 and 0 and they, um, uh, yeah, we'll leave, we'll, we'll leave the Auburn game. Uh, we'll leave that alone. So yeah. people can, uh, enjoy that with, um, a blank slate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, very interesting, uh, great, uh, research and great, uh, you know, storytelling on that. Uh, let, let's share once again, uh, the name of the book, David, and where folks can get a copy of it. Okay, so the name of the book is Iron Tigers, a novel inspired by the team that conquered Dixie and launched Southern football. All you have to do is type in Iron Tigers. Uh, on Amazon, you need to type in Iron Tigers Drews, D as in David, R-E-W-S. Uh, book Baby, you just put Iron Tigers in. Or you can go to my website, irontigersfootball.com, and you can read a summary of the book, a uh, one-page summary. You can watch a 90-second video. Uh, and you can also order the book from from that website, irontigersfootball.com. Okay, absolutely. It sounds like a great idea. Now, you had told me earlier that you're going to be making a trip uh, to Sewanee College and uh, do, do some uh, promotion of the book. Uh, why don't you, if you if you got some dates and times there, if people are in the area, they want to you know meet the author and, you know, Shake, shake your hand and uh, see you at the site of where these uh, fantastic men uh, played ball. That'd be yeah. kind of a cool thing. So maybe if you, if you could share that information. I'll be there October 7th. It's a Saturday. It's a family weekend at Swanee. It's a home football game. Um, and I don't have the times yet. And I don't know if I'm going to be at the bookstore or possibly somewhere else on campus. But if you go to if 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 your listeners go to irontigersfootball.com, they can also subscribe to um, to receive uh, email updates from me. And I promise I will not inundate you with uh, with emails. I, I've had that um, email address up now that's a subscription option up now on my website for probably six, seven months. And I've sent out two emails <laughs> but, but as as i do get the fall book signings um locked down i'm i'm, I'm not going to do 2500 miles uh but well, well that was my next question i was expecting yeah. a, a long train ride for you <laughs> yeah yeah i'll be in the comfort of my car um but yeah i'm going to try to do something like knoxville to swanee to nashville to memphis and on down and back up like through georgia um, but I'll have all those dates once I get those once I get those dates and times and locations locked down. I'll send them out to um, my e e newsletter uh, subscribers. And newsletter is really a misnomer because again, I've sent out one, and I really you know I know what it's like to get bombarded with when you subscribe to something. So I don't want to I don't want to load people up. And um, but yeah, IronTigersFootball.com that's the best bet. All right. Well, great. Well, David, we thank you so much for, for first of all, researching and telling the story of this team and preserving the football history. And uh, secondly, and foremost, you know, coming on and sharing it with us today. And uh, we really love it. Love the book. Uh, love the story and uh, appreciate you, sir. So thank you. You're very welcome, Darren. And I want to thank you again for having me on Pigskin Dispatch. Um, 
earlier you and I were talking, I had mentioned that I get up early every morning and I do exercises and I have three podcasts that I listen to while I'm doing those exercises and uh, pigskin uh, dispatch is one of them. And uh, for your first time listeners, uh, just keep listening because it's always a surprise and it's always well-researched and uh, Darren is, is a great, a great guy to listen to early in the morning. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you, David. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.